From Deloitte Legal Germany, I'm Matthias Reif, and this is the Legal on Air Summer Special 2022. In today's episode, we are talking about some legal aspects and the special cooperation between Israel and Germany. And as everybody's aware, the German-Israel trade relationship runs deep and made in Germany has an excellent reputation in Israel. At the same time, no German company can afford to ignore the products, creations and developments from the over 6,000 startup companies in Israel, which makes the top startup nation in the world. And to ensure that cross-business runs smoothly, Deloitte Germany's Israel Desk has a team of 27 experts to provide you with advice and support in all aspects and services that Deloitte Germany provides, via tax, consulting, risk advisory, financial, or legal services. My name is Matthias. I'm an M&A and corporate expert for Deloitte Legal Germany and have the privilege to head the Deloitte Germany's Israel Desk. And though Israel and Germany feels like home for many companies from the other side of the Mediterranean Sea, there are a number of differences in the law that need to be considered when working together. Today, we want to focus on some of these aspects in the commercial and trade law that are of special interest for internet companies. And in this context, it is my honor to have with me three distinguished legal experts from three of the most known law firms in Israel. Hilly Cohen, Hilly is partner at Gross, Gross Law Firm is, like the other two law firms we're going to talk about in a minute, one of the most leading law firms in Israel. Its professional team consists of more than 220 lawyers, among them 90 partners, of which some of them have practiced in international firms in the US, UK, and Brazil. Hilly is the head of Life Science Group. Welcome, Hilly. Thank you, Matthias. Ayar Basri is partner at Herzog One of the other leading law firms in Israel, frequently named as tier one firm by Chambers and Legal 500. They are advising multinational and domestic clients through 500 Israeli lawyers, including more than 150 partners. Ayar speaks German and often represents German and Austrian companies in setting their activities in Israel, M&A and commercial agreements in Israel. And last but definitely not least, Simcha Koveri is a partner at MITA, again, one of the leading law firms in Israel, the firm represents one of the most largest multinational corporations in corporate commercial litigation and regulatory matters in Israel and abroad with a strong team of over 400 attorneys. Sim's main practice focuses on representing startups and investors and startup companies from inception throughout the company's life cycle. Welcome, Sim. Thank you, It's Great to be here. Hilly, gentlemen. It's great to have you with me today and to have a chance to speak a few minutes about the few, a few aspects of the Israeli and German commercial law. And let me start by speaking about the new law on the sales of goods in the EU and Germany that in part fundamentally changed the existing law and that came into effect on January 1st, 2022. With this law, the EU is taking into account the advancing digitalization and its importance for trade and economy by introducing new regulations for the sale of digital products, such as smartphones, smartwatches, but also motor vehicles with navigation devices and some other electronic accessories. One aspect of the law is the expansion of requirement for warranties. And in the future, warranty statements must contain additional information, for example, that the warranty is an obligation that exists in addition to the statutory warranty. Moreover, now it is essential for the contractual compliance of any purchase items, rather analog or digital, 
that not only the specifications agreed with the buyer must be met, but also objective requirements. Thus, in the future, the purchaser may be entitled to warranty claims for material defects and, if applicable, claims for damages, even though the purchase item has the quality agreed between the parties. Now, this is a fundamental change to the existing law as we had it in Germany. And maybe, Ayal, if I may refer to you, can you elaborate a little bit on the Israeli law in this respect and maybe where you see the differences or similarities between the two systems? Sure, Matthias, and thank you very much for inviting me. First, I would like to briefly discuss the German, I think also Austrian concept of defect, which is something that is supposed to be internally wrong with the product or with the machinery or whatever it is already in its manufacturing. And that is always a matter which creates a conflict when representing German companies in Israel, as in Israel, this distinction does not really exist. And, and whether the problem with the product occurred or that the product or machinery malfunctioned during the warranty period, for Israeli law, it is as if it is indeed with a defect to begin with from the factory. And thus the warranty should apply. And that is, of course, so long as the product has not been tampered with or not in accordance uh, with a, a manual or other instructions provided by the supplier or by the contractor. And in this respect, it is very important to carve uh, this into the agreement with the client and where possible also limit the liability of the supplier. Still, in Israel, you can only sue for the damages actually in cards, so unlike in the US. So matters of insurance and subrogation, as well as limiting the type of damages that the supplier or the contractor are liable to, are also very important. Uh, of course, only where this is applicable under the Israeli defective products law, which, which normally provide the injured party with an additional cause of action in addition to the normal causes of action that you can find for damages uh, set out in the ALIA in the civil wrongs ordinance and in the agreement itself. And, and now back to the changes that you mentioned, I want to say that the Israeli legal system is almost already there in terms of what it currently covers. Uh, for example, the defective products law determines that the product shall be deemed as defective if in the ALIA the proper instructions for care or use of the products have not been provided or are inadequate. And accordingly, a claim may be raised against the manufacturer by an injured person alleging that the products in question are defective in light of the fact that they lack adequate instructions for care or for safety. Even though, as, as you uh, said at the beginning, the product itself works. And it is interesting to mention, I think, in this respect that Israel has already for some years been protecting the consumers in remote sales. So in a remote sale, the seller has a much broader disclosure duty towards the buyer. I think it also speaks about the changes that you mentioned. So the information it would provide under law is much more detailed. And, and in fact, the higher disclosure standard already starts at the marketing, at the online marketing stage. So this is required whenever you sell to Israelis, including the type and term of warranty provided, which, you know, save for specific cases, should be no less than a year. And I think that also unique for remote sale, like meaning online sales, is the consumer's right to cancel, to cancel the sale, which has to be in writing, including an email, and applies to most fields and products, but has to be done within 14 days from the transaction. But, but since we 
may discuss, for example, online services, right? It allows to cancel also after the services have been started, right? For example, SaaS services. And, and just to wrap this up, it, it is also important to know that the Israeli law also states where and when the product has to be served within the warranty period. And also the way it should be served, meaning with original spell part, etc. Thank you, Ayal. And seriously, I mean, that, that proves the point, despite the fact that we are all looking more or less at the same ideas and we have a globalized world where products and contracts run freely, there are definitely differences. Definitely, definitely. Another aspect I would like to focus on in the introduction of the new law is an obligation to update for sellers of goods with digital elements. If there is a B2C agreement for goods with digital elements, like goods that cannot be fulfilled without their digital element, the purchase item will only be free of defects in the future if and when updates are provided. Now, especially in the health sector, we see more and more goods with such digital elements, such as fitness watches or other health tracking devices for which such updates are required. So, Hilly, I wonder if you can elaborate a little bit more on this aspect, given your, your strong insight in, in the health sector. Yes, thank you, Matthias. I will very, very briefly speak about digitalization in Israeli healthcare system and impact on local innovative industry in general. And I'd like to start by saying that Israel is in a unique position with respect to digitalization of healthcare services. It has a centralized healthcare insurance system where all patients' data is really collected and maintained by only four health maintenance organizations. And all such data has been digitalized long before the corona pandemic, and it really serves as a significant digital asset held by the Ministry of Health and its respective units. And in fact, the Ministry of Health in Israel encouraged its units and the health maintenance organizations to capitalize these digital assets by way of granting of non-exclusive data licenses to those operating in the applicable industries. Provided, however, that these licenses are exploited for the benefit of patients or advancement of health, and this could be shown. The Ministry of Health has taken a few steps to advance this area of digitalization of health. It has launched a national plan for advancement of digital health for the advancement of personally adjusted treatment, advancement of research, prevention of illness, and make healthcare services accessible. The Ministry of Health has also issued guidelines relating to certain aspects of provision of digital services to healthcare systems such as relating to cybersecurity aspects and privacy of patients. And on top of everything, during the corona period, which caused a tremendous pickup in all these aspects of health and digitalization, the Ministry of Health has advanced accessibility of health services, including by allowing performance of clinical studies in patients' houses, something that was not done before except for really rare cases, and it allowed also remote access to healthcare services, including via appointments with physicians over the phone and over the web. We see a lot of self-monitoring and remote monitoring of medical conditions and wellness products, as you mentioned, Matthias. Most interestingly, we also see startups engaged in various areas of mental health 
digitally and remotely because there is a growing need and even so more since COVID and there are not sufficient uh, solution providers on a face-to-face. So there are attempts to find digital solutions. Finally, I would note that the relevant regulatory requirements are not up to date with the technological developments and advancements. And the Israeli ministry therefore tends to follow the classification of the FDA as a general rule. Thank you very much, Eli. That was seriously great. Now let me come back on a third element of the new law that I was describing a little earlier. In case of a B2C agreement, the knowledge of the buyer, be it that he had positive knowledge of a defect or that he gross negligently ignored the fact that there was a defect, does not preclude material warranty claims anymore. Now, in a B2B transaction, however, claims based on material defects remain excluded if the buyer is aware of the defect, but not in the case of a B2C agreement. Now, Sim, I'm wondering if you can fill us in on the Israeli situation in this respect. Sure, yes, thanks. Um, so as a general note, um, I'll just say that you know tech is being more and more regulated over the world, and we see that the EU is definitely taking the lead on this. And I think um, Germany is doing a great role in this. Um, generally speaking, in Israel, parties have more flexibility when negotiating liability provisions and contracts. There are less mandatory or statute limitations when companies try to limit their liability under Israeli law. And probably one of the most important things that we see in Israel is that the principles of good faith are relevant not just in carrying out and performance of the contract itself, but also in the negotiation. So that is something that we use. Now, going back to the question, there is no distinct differentiation in Israel between B2B and B2C, but there is a differentiation basically between bodily harm and monetary liability. So anything which would be under bodily, uh, uh, sorry, bodily harm would be covered by the defect products law, which basically says that uh, in the event um, that we have a defect product, the defense, a possible defense could be that the individual that suffered bodily harm basically exposed him or herself voluntarily to the risk and, and moved ahead. So if you take an example, uh, you have a roller coaster, which everyone knows is problematic, and people will say, hey, be careful, we know it's defective, and, and someone says, I know it's defective, I'll, I'll take my chances. Courts in Israel usually view the voluntary agreement in a very narrow way. On the other side, in terms of monetary risks and monetary damages, what we would need to show is the fact that the individual had knowledge of a certain defect. And to the extent we're able to prove that, that would be adequate defense. So to your question, yes, I believe that now having your exclusion on the B2B level in Germany would bring you closer to the Israeli law. And to summarize the Israeli law, the general rule is to the extent the individual had knowledge of the defect, that would be a good defense for the manufacturer. And to the extent that they didn't, they wouldn't. When, of course, on the defective products, it's viewed much, much more narrowly because that relates 
to bodily harm. I hope that answers your question, Pius. Thank you very much, Tim. And generally speaking, thank you very much to all three of you for all these insights. You have shown how important country-specific advice is. To everybody who hears us, thank you very much for listening. All speakers and firms obviously are there for you and happy to follow up if you have any further questions. Everybody, have a great summer. Thank you. Thank you.